everybody. Welcome to episode five of The Green Light. Green Light! Ooh. Episode five actually sounds really good. It does sound good. Like that's a nice yeah. little milestone that we have going. All right, look at that. Um, I am Lauren Hunkley. I am Jackson Campbell. And basically what we do here is read unproduced plays and screenplays by up-and-coming writers and interview those awesome people who wrote them. And uh, before we get started on our detours for the week, we did want to say a few words about some of the recent events that have been going on. Yeah. Um, so there have been a lot of things going on in this country lately that are sort of really impossible to avoid. You can't go on Twitter or any social media without seeing it, which truthfully is good. Um, because, you know, even though as a podcast, a place typically meant to be like a nice distraction from things going on in the world, um, we, we normally may not want to comment on some things that are going on just to continue to be that distraction. That's not going to be us this time. No. Um, in, in this case, it's a it's a pretty no-brainer that we have to speak out. Everyone should be speaking out. Um, you know, I, I believe and I think Lauren believes that now's a time where people kind of don't need to be distracted, but instead need to be aware. Um, they need to be active. Most importantly, they need to be listening. Um, police brutality, mass incarceration, racism, they're all here. Like, um, unfortunately, we're not in a post-racist era, despite mm -hmm. what some people think. Um, black people are still dealing with some of the same things they've dealt with since they were enslaved hundreds of years ago. Um, and, you know, it seems ridiculous to have to say it, but Black Lives Matter. Um, I There's a podcast that I listen to, um, part of my take, that... Yeah. Um, they have a uh, they have a running joke that it's like uh, they're an anti-Nazi podcast and it's like you know it, it's funny but um, it's kind of weird that now you kind of have to say it <laughs> yeah uh, very unfortunately you have to say things like that be like if you don't believe Black Lives Matter you don't belong here correct um, and until Black Lives Matter all lives will not matter so you know that kind of rhetoric. Um, the all lives matter crowd kind of not really tolerated. Yeah. And by kind of, I mean, certainly not tolerated. Um, and obviously <laughs> Lauren and I are uh, a two white people. Um, so you may be calling it a little BS, but um, I think now more than ever, white people need to be aware and listening as well. Um, you need to be supporting your black friends, family members, support the people protesting, uh, do your part to educate yourself and don't ask black people to help you because it's, it's not their job. It's your job to do it. Um, if you're financially comfortable enough to donate, do that. Lauren's going to tell um, some great organizations in, in just a little bit that you can donate to if you're financially available. But, you know, when all the dust settles after all of this, which hopefully it eventually will, we need to continue this fight. Uh, we, we can't lose sight of, of the goal here. And it may be hard, it may be uncomfortable, but it's not nearly as uncomfortable as having to watch your own people getting senselessly murdered and locked up simply, simply due to the color of their skin. So in the theme of that, and because we are a podcast that talks about art and entertainment, we wanted to provide a list of great works from black artists and creators. So we'll be providing those links in the description, not the description box below. This is not a YouTube, <laughs> um, YouTube uh, video, but in the description, some of them are for entertainment. Some of them are for learning but all are great works of art created by black people, so we should be supporting that. One thing that I will say as well, once again, if you are financially, um, if it's a financially viable option for you, actually purchasing these from um, black-owned bookstores or even just purchasing them in general, because a lot, of, a lot of these you probably find PDFs of online, but in order to truly support those creators, you can also educate yourself and support them by actually purchasing them. Absolutely. And I know that there is actually, um, if you're looking for books, so I know I just bought Stamped from the Beginning on Kindle on Amazon, and uh, there's actually something you can do on, on buying Kindle books right now, where um, for a lot of books that deal with history of racism in America and things like that that are written by black people and black writers, um, you can get a, a credit back when you purchase some of these books. I think it's called a Great for Kindle or something like that. Oh, cool. I did not um, know that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I just found it out when I bought Stamp from the beginning. But um, if you buy those books, you know, you might get, I think I got $1.95 back that I will, I definitely plan to use to purchase another similar book on Kindle. So yeah. um, feel free to look into that. As Jackson said, there is a lot of momentum right now, but we've seen it time and time again where there's an instance of police brutality where 
a black person is killed for no reason, um, sometimes even in their own homes or in their own backyards. And there's always there's always a brief moment where, you know, everyone's tweeting Black Lives Matter and everyone's posting about it and then it dies down and nothing changes. So we really hope this can be the time that there's change. So uh, don't let the fire die inside of you. It shouldn't just be Black people's job to fight for this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, do your best to do your part. So a few organizations that we encourage you to support and have supported. Um, Minnesota Freedom Fund has been a really big popular one recently. They have actually gotten so many donations that they have um, asked that you redirect some of your donations to other organizations. A couple of the ones that they've suggested are Reclaim the Block and North Star Health Collective. Um, North Star... (laughs) North Star Health Collective, I think, is a really cool one. Basically, what they do is help provide medical aid for protesters, I believe primarily in Minnesota, Um, They also have a mutual fund for Black people who are struggling to deal with medical expenses, uh, specifically dealing with Mm -hmm. COVID-19. So I think that's a really cool cool organization. And fun fact, uh, Black people are disproportionately affected by COVID. So this this would be a great one. Not a fun fact, sorry. That's a Uh, not fun fact. um, An unfortunate fact. Um, Another great one is the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. This basically helps people who are arrested and charged with various crimes because they have been protesting and fighting for their own rights. Um, Also, look up local and state bailout funds for protesters in your area. You can do it anywhere in the country. Um, But that's something that I guess you can make a little bit closer to home. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know we're originally from North Carolina. There is a North Carolina Mm -hmm. bailout fund that basically just helps people who are arrested because of of protesting make bail. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, right now, Lauren and I are recording this on Tuesday. Um, this episode will be released on Friday. So it's even possible that by the time we get there, some of these places will have um, be in a similar situation to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, where they may think they have enough funds for now and may want to redirect your donations somewhere else. If that's the case, just do your research on all of these. Um, just make sure. And then, you know, um, there are plenty of other great organizations and funds that we haven't mentioned. If one you feel like hits closer to home for you, Donate to that one. Um, but it, if you can, do your part because um, yeah. we all you, need to be doing something. If you don't feel like you are financially able to donate to these organizations right now, you can also do your part by sharing them because yes. there are people who are able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Okay. okay. So now we're going to continue um, after that tough conversation that needed to be had. Um, so now we're going to get into our detours of the week. And um, our detours, uh, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, and if not, here you go. Uh, Our detours is something that we have watched, seen, read over the past week that we would recommend to all of you. So, Lauren, do you want to go first with yours? Yeah. Um, So this past week, I watched the Netflix documentary Cheer, and it's about uh, the Navarro College, or sometimes they pronounce it Navarro, but I feel like most of the time it was Navarro. Um, But it is a community college in Texas that is sort of widely known as um, the best junior college cheerleading team in the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the documentary basically follows this cheer team's journey to um, the the biggest competition of the year in Daytona. Um, And it's it's really interesting to watch. You know, they there are 40 people on the team. Um, there are only 20 who are actually going to be able to compete and be on the mat. Uh, they always call it on the mat or making the mat in the final competition. And the, the stunts they do and the moves they learn are just insane. Um, I had a short stint in professional, not professional cheerleading. I was definitely <laughs> Lauren was a professional cheerleader. No, I was not. I, I was a competitive cheerleader. I was going to ask you sort of your experience and how, how it uh, affected yeah, the way you viewed it. Definitely. Well, um, so I did competitive cheerleading just for three years from like third to fifth grade. So I was definitely not anywhere near the level that these people were. Don't let her lie to you. She was in the big league. <laughs> But, um, but, you know, I mean, okay, well, no, but like we, we did compete, you know, in sort of statewide and even some that were just in the Southeast, uh, some competitions. We would go to Myrtle Beach once a year. Um, Myrtle Beach is the big time. So you made it. Okay. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, we, we did some of these basic stunts and, you know, there were injuries that happened. Um, nothing on the level that happened in this documentary, but, 
you know, we would do stunts. Sometimes people would lose fingernails. You know, sometimes people would get dropped. I remember one time I was basing a girl and she got thrown just a little off kilter and she like landed on my chest and I fell over and, you know, thankfully uh, kept my, my head tucked in enough that I didn't hit my head on the concrete because I was pretty close. Um, but, you know, it's it's a very high risk thing, but it also feels so good when you finally get that difficult move or you finally, you know, get your back handspring or your back tuck. Or I think the hardest thing they did was a full full, which is insane. Um, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds <laughs> it's a lot. But um, but, you know, it's it's a huge team building experience. It's really, really hard work. And I think that there are still a lot of people who don't consider cheerleading to be a sport. And I don't necessarily consider it a sport when your role is cheering for another team. But -hmm. in this case, when your cheerleading team itself is competing and everyone in the team is honestly putting their lives on the line Mm -hmm. for their sport, you know, it is a sport. Um, it, It really goes through the lives of the different people on the team and their background and how finding cheerleading has sort of helped them, um, figure out what their priorities were and um, finding a way to bond with other people and find something that they were really passionate about. So yeah, it's a, it's a very well done documentary. Um, I think it definitely did resonate with me just from having that little bit of competitive cheerleading experience, but it's an awesome documentary for anyone. Yeah. Cheerleaders are tough, man. Like, I don't know. I've, well, I mean, Jackson probably watched it for just like, he was kind of in and out on it, you know, but I mean, it's like, every few minutes someone would like be checked out because they might have a concussion, you know, yeah. it's the stuff they were doing is crazy. Yeah. And just the, the fact of, you know, I've, I've played, I've run the gamut of sports that I've played mostly, you know, just as a kid. Um, but like, you know, soccer, baseball, football, basketball, all, all stuff like that. And I've always wanted to learn how to do like a, like a backflip, but mm. I've always been so scared to try because I'm scared of like landing on my head, like, yeah. Busting my neck or something like that. And like cheerleaders, they do that stuff every day. And like you said, they get injured like every day. Um, it was also interesting to hear, cause you know, I watched like maybe an episode of it, but, um, just hear them talk about how their, their injuries sort of affected them throughout the rest of their life. Cause like, you know, you can only cheer for a certain amount of time before it kind of right. ruins your body. Well, and also <laughs> with cheerleading, another thing that they talk about is that Beyond the college level, there is really nothing you can do in terms of cheerleading because you can go cheer for an NFL team, but you're not doing anywhere near the level of stunts and tumbling Mm -hmm. that you're doing on a college team. Um, And also, I mean, I believe, I don't know that there's an NFL team that has men on the cheerleading team. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Not, Not to my knowledge. My knowledge isn't as vast as it could be, but, um... But, yeah, like, but you know, I mean, there, there are a lot of men in uh, the cheer documentary on the Navarro team. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear them talk about how a lot of them grew up playing football or playing another sport that they felt kind of pushed into. And then they mm-hmm. really found their home in cheerleading, which yeah. was sometimes tough to reconcile with some of their family and friends because, sure. you know, it's not necessarily a, a conventional male activity, but it's something that they really loved and found a home in. Yeah. Which is really cool. I, yeah. I appreciated that from the episode I saw. <laughs> um, so uh, are you are you done with uh, with, yeah. with cheer? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Actually, you were done with cheer in fifth grade. But now you're yes. really done with cheer. Okay. <laughs> Your career ended early. Um, yeah. No. Um, so I am going to uh, sort of switch gears back to a bit of what we were talking about before, actually, um, and talk about... Um, Actually, one of the movies that is on the one of the list in our description box. So this movie, it's a documentary called 13th. Mm. It was released in 2016, written and directed by Ava DuVernay, um, also written by Stephen Averick. Um, so basically, uh, the film sort of, um, as the title alludes to, is about the 13th Amendment, uh, which, as we all know, abolished slavery, asterisk, except as a punishment for conviction of a crime. So it ended involuntary servitude, a.k.a. slavery, except as a punishment for the conviction of a crime, a.k.a. It It didn't really end slavery. (laughs) Yeah, and and it kind of, um, out of that, grew this system of mass incarceration, which is, is still very, very much with us today. There's a statistic that starts the beginning of the film that the United States has 5% of the world's population 
but 25% of the world's prison population, it, which is a, a staggering statistic uh, to think about. So there's a, there's a lot of really great, smart, intelligent people and activists um, from Cory Booker, presidential candidate, mm-hmm. uh, a Democratic presidential candidate this past year, uh, Angela Davis, activist, Brian Stevenson, author, activist, um, who wrote Just Mercy, I believe. That's I, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read the I read Just Mercy, which is a, another fantastic book you should read. Uh but um I believe that was uh Brian Stevenson was the author author. So yeah, the film the film sort of explores from um post Civil War era until now and how the prison system has become privatized. Um mm-hmm. it explored through like the seventies and eighties, through the war on drugs, which all these thinly veiled attempts to sort of um mask the prison system into something that it it's not. And what it is, is sort of a way for people to make money, unfortunately. Yeah. As even, there, there are far too many private prisons. Um, you know, luckily things have been changing, but still not, ne- still not nearly in the way they need to be. Yeah. But sort of, it, it talks about the way the private prison system has even infil- infiltrated the public prison system and how... People who are interested in making money have influenced lawmakers into making laws that would once again put money back into their pockets. Yeah. And essentially, if you are a private business who um, either works building prisons or provides foods for prisons, whatever, things like that, your profit comes from the amount of people who are in prison. Therefore, it is technically in your best interest to have more people in prison. And so it, it sort of talks about that cycle. Um, it's really eye-opening, truthfully, if, yeah. if, if you don't know much about this, uh, which it's far overdue for me watching this documentary. Um, and it's it's definitely eye-opening, really good, um, and uh, written and directed by Ava DuVernay, who is mm-hmm. a an incredible writer and director. She, um, I'm not sure if she wrote, but I know she directed Selma, which is the Martin Luther King Jr. biopic, and she also wrote and directed uh, When They See Us, the... Um, the limited series that was on Netflix last year or a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great documentary. So check it out. It's on that list. Check it out. Yeah. And I watched 13th a couple years ago when mm-hmm. I was working at a uh, governor's school in North Carolina. Um, they showed it for, you know, it was required viewing for everyone, which was awesome. You know, teachers and students included. And um, I think the one thing that really struck me was that I, I knew that this was a problem, but I had no idea how many organizations I was familiar with and I had, you know, bought products from or things like that that were involved in this. Uh, the scale of it is really just staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I re- I know they talk about, um, I guess, sort of an organization made up of a whole bunch of different corporations called Alex that is has sort of been heading up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think it's Alec. Alec? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alec that has been basically pushing these laws that will put more money in their pockets mm-hmm. and make the prison system even more profitable. And, you know, it's, it's organizations like, I know Aramark is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just ones that, you know, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's not just these, these few select racist people that are the problem. It's the whole society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it is very informative and very well done as yeah. a documentary as a whole. So definitely, definitely check that one out. It's on Netflix. So if you have a Netflix subscription, very easy. Cheer is also on Netflix. I think yes, you mentioned that. Cheer is that, also on Netflix. But just wanted to reiterate that for everyone. Yeah. So to get okay. to our play yes. this week, mm-hmm. uh, this week we are going to be reading Explore With Us by Matthew Keith. Mm-hmm. It is a short screenplay about some flight attendants. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's really good. Matthew Keith has been mentioned on this podcast before, as we talk about. In but the we'll interview. be actually talking to him today. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, so that is coming, coming up next. Up. Welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light? Green Light. There we go. Ah, that's amazing. Uh, I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. As you all know. And we have two special guests, previous guests on this podcast, but special nonetheless. Jacob Wishnick is back with us, everybody. Hello. Jacob, lovely to have you back on the pod. How have you been? 
I've been I've been good, you know. Yeah. Downstairs. Yeah, I was gonna say we <laughs> I've been... we really know how you've been since we live with you, but <laughs> do you? Oh. Whoa. Check in everyone with your friends. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, I've been great. No, I've been it's been a stellar time in this this mega house of ours. Yes, very true, yeah. very true. And we have Tori Jewel back with us. Tori, Yay. how are you today? Um, me personally, um, I am healthy, which is always to be thankful for. Yeah. There's plenty going on in the world that is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding moments of joy is a surprise. Yeah, here, here. Yeah, here, here. For sure, for sure. Uh, we unfortunately... anyway start off on the high note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we unfortunately only have about. What, like a month left with you, Tori? Yeah, um, 18 days. Not that I'm wow. counting. Wow, that's sad. So <laughs> Sounds we'll, like she's counting. We'll, <laughs> be, yeah, we'll bring on as much as we can to this podcast, also Ooh. out of necessity. Um, yes. <laughs> but anyways, uh, without further ado, let us begin. So uh, we'll go off with a little bit of character descriptions first. Um, I will be playing all of the male roles. Yes. There are, there are two, so uh, that will be my task for this. I will be playing Marianne Peaks. Marianne Peaks is 26. She is preemptively unimpressed and witty. I will be reading Grace Rutherford. She's 27, a Southern Belle with a bite. And I'm Jacob, and I'm going to be reading the stage directions. Yes, sir. Which I guess are action lines. But they are you, action you, lines. We always no, it's, it's, right? it's always <laughs> me. I always say stage directions for action lines. See, but like, I am not as involved with theater. I should know that they're action lines. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's we've infected you, Jacob. Uh, we apologize. There you, go. <laughs> um, you know what? Don't need to. Aw. Aw. <laughs> wow. Alrighty. In that case. Let's get into it. Interior Airplane Day. Present day. Marianne Peaks and Grace Rutherford welcome passengers on the plane in their old-fashioned blue flight attendant uniforms. They wear pins saying, explore with us. While one welcomes, the other comments through gritted teeth and a fake smile. A handsome businessman, 40s, with Bluetooth earbuds, walks in texting. Welcome aboard, small dick. A woman, 68 with a floppy hat, sunglasses, and earplugs, hobbles on with feigned grace. How are you today, ma'am? Drunk since 42. (laughs) Marianne stifles a laugh. Two young boys, four and six, crash into the aisle, followed by their two-pregnant mom and greasy dad. The dad smiles slyly at Grace. Afternoon, sir. Sleeping with a babysitter. Or you. Grace elbows Marianne playfully, (laughs) and Marianne lets out a laugh. Into your plane aisle later. Marianne stands at the front of the plane holding the intercom phone. Grace stands halfway down the aisle with an example belt buckle and a life vest around her neck. There are six exits, two in the back, two in the middle, and two at the front for Grace and I to use with the only two parachutes on board. Passengers laugh. Marianne laughs facetiously, joylessly. Grace points to the exit, holding her plastic smile. Interior plane aisle later. Grace pushes the drink cart further back in the plane. Her eyes open wide, violently. She turns around with flaming eyes to see the greasy dad holding her thigh tightly. He lets go. His wife is asleep in the row in front of him, the two boys asleep next to him. He lets go and flushes his eyebrow at Grace. She takes a deep breath and continues forward, fuming but composed. She looks at the sleeping wife with pity. Interior plane later. Marianne and Grace watch the last passengers get off the plane. The jet bridge is covered in dirt and faded white paint. Marianne chomps on pretzels from the plane and pockets two airplane bottles of Jack Daniels. While chewing, she talks to a tired Grace in a mocking transatlantic accent. The glitz and glam of air travel, baby. Bossa Nova music begins. Grace slides down the wall, sighing. Interior hotel bar night. Grace and Marianne sit at the bar facing Sanford, 42, a suit on a business trip fulfilling some 1960s Pan Am fantasy. He stands wearing a ring. Grace, with a cosmopolitan, listens intently for something new or impressive. Marianne slowly chugs her old-fashioned, watching him dryly. So at that point I told him he realistically had three more years left of the firm, and that shut him right up. Sign the acquisition right there. He sips his whiskey on the rocks and tries not to appear phased. Marianne finishes her long sip and the drink. That's quite impressive. Marianne cocks her head and flashes her eyes with weakly acted flirtation. She holds out her glass to him. Almost as impressive as another drink. 
easily swooned, he takes it from her and goes to the bartender away from the girls. Here, pick for the night? I'll give it another ten to see. Not the most interesting guy I've ever met. <laughs> Grace rubs her finger around the rim of the glass. He makes for good alcohol. Why don't you ever talk to any guys yourself? Honestly getting bored of the nightly routine here. Hmm. Sanford comes back and presents the glass to Marianne. She feigns excited surprise. Oh, hey! There's the big man! He's flattered. Marianne stands and whispers into his ear away from Grace. She's pretty easy with one more in her. Thanks, champ. She pats his chest with her free hand and walks out of the bar with a drink to go to her room. He watches her leave with shock. Grace gets riled up. Now, what did she say? Sanford lifts his hand to the bartender and shouts, One more for her, please! Interior, Marianne's hotel room. Same. Marianne sits in bed flipping mindlessly through the channels on her TV. We hear old-timey commercials with empty glamour. She sips her drink. She looks out the window to nondescript skyscrapers. Exterior, various cities. Montage of their post-flying routine. Plane. We see a plane land. Marianne and Grace clean. Marianne looks out to the ugly concrete mass of the airport. Airport. Grace and Marianne walk behind pilots, all lugging suitcases and getting in cabs. Hotel. Marianne comes out of her room dressed in nice civilian clothes to meet Grace. She gestures, how do I look? Although she doesn't quite care. The two walk to Hotel Bar. Grace and Marianne talk to another man. Marianne plays with an earring absentmindedly, drinking fast, Grace talking. Another Hotel Bar. A different man talks to each Grace and Marianne. Marianne feigns a smile. Grace looks to her for help as the other man puts his hand on her shoulder. Different Hotel Bar. Marianne sits on the other side of the bar from Grace. Marianne finished tossing a nut in the air, catching it with her mouth. She drinks, watches, and laughs as Grace talks to an older man. The man shows Grace a photo of him from Vietnam. Another bar. Marianne and Grace down multiple drinks and flashes, each bored of the situation. Intercuts between drinks of 1960s videos of women at a Hawaiian luau, people driving up Cal Highway 1 in a convertible, and couples skiing in Europe. Aged. Lost opportunities. Interior hotel lobby night. Grace and Marianne walk toward the entrance to a bar with worn cocktail dresses. Both seem tired of the tradition. I can't believe I'm saying it. But one more drink, then I'm leaving. Love the enthusiasm, but I'll be a bit longer. I don't even taste the alcohol now until my third. Ah. Grace laughs and elbows Marianne. Interior hotel bar. Grace and Marianne sit with the usual drinks. The bar is 60s chic with warm lighting. Something with the lighting is off. We see the girls silently turn away multiple men who walk up. Grace finishes a drink. We see Marianne hold hers with one sip left. Grace stands to leave, but Marianne spots a guy at the end of the bar with a holstered pistol. He's Davis Birch, 28, a scruffy farm boy with lots to compensate for. He wears flannel and heavy boots, scruffy face. Hold on a second. I want to try something. Marianne, him? You have weird taste, but him? I'm not. Come with me. You're cut from the same cloth. I'll need you. <laughs> Marianne grabs Grace's arm and walks towards Davis. As who? Farm boy? Marianne leans against the bar next to Davis. He looks up at her from his beer. Would you mind if we joined you? Uh, uh, not at all. I'm Jane. This is my friend Savannah. Grace gives Marianne a look. Accent? Names? Davis eyes her, interested. Pleasure to meet y'all. <laughs> Marianne eyes the gun at his hip and smiles charmingly at him. Let's get you something a little stronger. Exterior hotel parking lot. Davis smokes a cigarette and lights one in Marianne's mouth. Marianne has changed into darker, warmer clothes. You can see her breath. Her eyes are excited. She isn't letting on her idea. Davis eyes her and she plays the flirty part. He's drunk. You sure you don't want to just stay here? We could always get up to some trouble upstairs. He wraps his arms around her waist. She keeps her face at a distance. Well, you know I'd like that too, but... Savannah has some other ideas. Oh, we don't have to listen to her. <laughs> you like us both now, don't you? He does. He fights himself over this when Grace comes out of the door, dressed darkly and warmly. She looks uneasy. I guess we better get a move on. She leads them away from the hotel. Grace trails a bit. What are you getting me into? 
Exterior, city street, later that night. The three exit a bar laughing and stumbling. Davis is having the most fun. Grace is letting loose. He puts his arm around the two. Time to head back, ladies? Marianne looks around intentionally. She looks at a corner store as they walk down the sidewalk. We get a sense she eyed it before they went into the bar. She stops them. Let's make one more stop. Oh, come on. I promise you'll get a kick out of it. Exterior corner store. They stand outside of the store, Grace and Davis, giggling. Go ahead, Jane. We'll wait for you out here. But I want you to do something for me, baby. Anything you ask. Do you like me? Of course I do. I've been saying it all night. (laughs) She gets close to his face, her eyes hypnotically sultry. What would you do for me, baby? Tonight? Anything. You want me? He nods. He's hungry. Yeah? I want you to use that gun of yours and rob the place. She's dead serious and sexy to him. He laughs. (laughs) I can't believe her, can you? (laughs) What, are you afraid? He laughs (laughs) half-heartedly. He isn't paying much attention. I ain't afraid of nothing. (laughs) Then why don't you do it for me, baby? Grace realizes she's not kidding. Marianne, what are you... Davis turns to Grace. It's Jane, honey. You had too much? (laughs) Marianne grabs his face and turns it back to her. Do it for Savannah and I, baby. We want some excitement. She flashes a look to Grace. Her eyes flash. Told you this would be fun. I'm alright with just going back to the hotel. Yeah, it seems like a bad idea. Marianne's hurt by Grace's commitment. I thought you liked bad ideas. I thought you were more fun than that. He opens his mouth, but has no words. I mean, uh... We can split the money. You get a half, she and I'll split the other half. You're not... Dead serious. Do it. For us. She puts her hand on his chest and talks close to his face. I want to see you hold that gun. He breathes heavily, holding eye contact. She cocks her head at him. He slowly nods. He takes his gun in his hand and rounds the corner into the door. Grace rushes to Marianne's side as Marianne watches. What the fuck are you doing? Isn't this fun? It's just fucked, Marianne. We can't let him do this. Marianne watches through the window closely. She doesn't take her eyes off of Davis as he yells at the cashier, gun pointed. We should probably go to the other side of the street or something. What? Don't want to draw attention. Marianne moves to the crosswalk and Grace follows. Marianne is sharply focused. After a few seconds, the walk sign flips on. Marianne walks calmly and Grace follows. We're going to wait for him, right? On the other side of the street, Grace looks back to the store. Davis stuffs cash into his jacket pocket. Marianne continues walking forward briskly. Grace turns around to see she's fallen behind Marianne. Marianne, wait! Come on! We should wait! Marianne doesn't stop or turn back. She begins to cross another street. Grace rushes to catch up. Exterior, another block. Same. Marianne, on the other block, turns off the street they have been following and continues down another street. What the fuck? Marianne, with glazed-over eyes, looks around at the cars for a moment and waves for a cab. A cab pulls over to them, and Grace grabs Marianne's arm. Marianne, we're not going to leave him. We don't even know him. He'll be all right. Marianne opens the cab door. Don't overthink. Just feel what that feels like. Marianne smiles at her as if she's given her a gift and gets in the cab. Grace looks around the street worriedly before getting in the cab, too. Exterior corner store. Davis, breathing heavily, looks around for them. His rush deflates when he realizes they're gone. He runs down the street in a panic. Interior hotel lobby. Marianne and Grace walk through the lobby toward the elevators. Neither looks at the other. Marianne's exhausted and savoring a runner's high. Grace is numb. They get in the elevators and close the door. Interior plane morning. The two stand greeting passengers as they board the plane. Grace forces a smile. Marianne holds her fake smile all too well. Welcome aboard. Marianne notices Grace didn't comment. Another person passes. Good morning, sir. Child molester. That's awful. Grace readjusts her smile, doesn't look at Marianne. Marianne flashes her eyes at Grace confused. She shakes it off and looks back to the passengers. Interior plane aisle, same. Marianne holds the intercom phone. Grace stands again, demonstrating safety feature. We see Grace's face struggling to hold that plastic smile. We see Marianne looming behind her at the front of the plane. There are six exits, two in the back, two in the middle, and two at the front for Grace and I to use with the only two parachutes on board. The cabin laughs. We hear Marianne's (laughs) facetious laugh over the intercom. 
Grace looks nervously at passengers around her as she forces a laugh. <laughs> Thank you again for choosing Atlantic Airlines. It's our pleasure to have you aboard to explore with us. We see Grace fidget at hearing this with Marianne in the background. Black. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to the green light. Green light. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> One of us has to do it, I feel like, every time. Yeah. It's kind of a curse. If you that do we've... the introductions, I have to do it. It's yeah. just a fucking <laughs> a, a curse that we've bestowed upon ourselves. Yeah. So, I am Jackson, as you know. I am Lauren. Yes, and we are here with the lovely, lovely writer of Explore With Us, Matthew Keith. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you all? Uh, we're doing great. Matthew, actually has made, I guess not himself made an appearance on this podcast, but has been mentioned on this podcast, episode one, remember? Oh, that's true! Ellie Ellie mentioned him yeah. as part of the inspiration for one of her characters, so... I was so honored. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, now you get the full honor of being on the Greenlight award-winning podcast, <laughs> if you talk to my friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, maybe someday. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, but, you know, how about you start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, Matthew? Sure. Uh, so, as it's been mentioned, my name's Matthew Keith. Um, I'm a rising senior at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I'm double majoring in dramatic arts and communications with a writing for the screen and stage minor. Um, from Franklin, Tennessee, originally, and um, been screenwriting for about a few years now. Nice. That is fantastic. Well, to expand a little bit upon that, we want to know what your writer origin story is. So if there's a specific piece or a specific film or play or anything that sort of inspired you, uh, how do you get started? Sure. Um, so my writer origin story. Yes, sir. We're starting off with so the tough ones. Tough ones yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> um, the first script I wrote, actually, um, I wrote a little bit of fiction, like uh, creative fiction early in school, and um, especially when I came to college, started kind of exploring that more. <laughs> Explore. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that will come back later. <laughs> it will. That's important. Um, but I wrote my first, actually, feature script, uh, the summer before my junior year of college. Um, and it was based off of an idea I got while working as a cashier at Publix supermarkets, listening to a Boz Skag song that would come on every shift I had. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, it was, yeah, it was this comedy about roller skating and college life. Uh, and from there, I just dug deeper, wrote more, and um, started taking classes. So, cool. Yeah, we were, we're going to get back to you writing feature-length films at a young age, but that that comes a bit later, Matthew, so <laughs> keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> it always is. Uh, so we noticed when we were looking at your character descriptions This that... is in the script. We're, yes, we're yes, going yes. We're, we're going to dive branching... into the script now. Explore with us, the masterpiece yes, from Matthew. we are Keith. exploring Explore with Us and ask you to explore Explore with Us with us. Nice. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so we noticed with your character descriptions that, you know, you don't necessarily describe what the character looks like, but you do a great job of very succinctly expressing, I guess, that person's essence. You know, you say, uh, Marianne you. is preemptively unimpressed and witty. Grace is a southern belle with a bite. And I feel like you can picture that person and you know exactly who that person is and how they're going to react to every scenario with just that little phrase. Um, so I guess... What is your reasoning behind that? Do you have a very specific person or type of person in your head when you write these character descriptions? Or are you just sort of, um, I don't know, you you just want to give us a, a pretty good idea and then let the actor go for it? Interesting. Um, I think it's probably because when I write characters, um, just kind of in my head, I think about personality first. Um and like, you know, the, the witty or Southern Belle with a bite, I'm thinking of like how she would react to something like what, uh, what kind of voice she would use and put on depending on the situation. So I guess reactions, personality, and, um, 
I don't know. I've never really thought about it as like a breakdownable science, but I kind of in my head can see what they would look like based off of that. They're like facial expressions they might have when they talk. Yeah, because I feel like with the with the character descriptions, you know, again, it really doesn't describe what they look like or even necessarily what they sound like, but it very much describes, you know, like you said, what facial expressions they'd have or what tone they would use with their voice, which I think sure. is really interesting. Because mm-hmm. so many times you read a character description, it's like um, 22, female, pretty... Yeah, very. You know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of times they're very objective, whereas yours has a little bit of subjectiveness to it. Yeah. Subjectivity? Subjectivity, I think. Subjectivity. Yeah. Sorry for my grammar, everyone. <laughs> but but yeah, and, and I like that because I feel yeah. like it almost makes it personal to whoever's reading it. Like, Definitely. I feel like there is a general idea of what a Southern Belle with a bite would be, but then for each person that might look a little bit different. Maybe sure. someone else can picture someone from their own life who's they consider a Southern Belle with a bite so they can sort of put that in there in place of it, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I like well, that sort of freedom. And at the same time, sometimes you get much longer character descriptions and it's like with everything they say to describe that character, it excludes more people who could play that role. You know, mm. so if you say, oh, they have to have this hair color and this eye color, which you see so often, um, I think that you know, that's something that doesn't necessarily contribute to the personality of the character. So I felt like with your character descriptions, um, especially with people having to write, you know, uh, what is it called? Writing copy? I feel so dumb. What, what context? Oh, oh, covering a script. Yes. Covering a script. That's what I mean. That's the um, But, you know, for the purposes of casting, I feel like that gives you a much better idea of who would actually be a good fit for this role rather mm-hmm. than just what, what this character should look like. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be heaping <laughs> praises upon you throughout this whole interview, Matthew, yeah. so don't God, worry. Can you call me every day then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll set up a time and everything. We'll, we'll yeah. get it on a schedule. Um, this so, is your morning compliment. Yeah. <laughs> so wh- I loved the character of Marianne. D- Marianne, right? Yes. That's pr- the right? correct pronunciation. I guess there isn't really absolutely. another one, right? Marianne, maybe? <laughs> or Marianne. I was thinking Marianne. Okay, cool. Marianne. Ryan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, you you have um, you have two characters, you know, who are surrounded by people as flight attendants who are constantly going to explore somewhere new. The slogan, the title of the film is "Explore with Us." However, as you sort of write in the script, their lives are very boring and cyclical. And, you know, they're, this script, I feel like, kind of is... We see both of them strive to, like, almost feel something, I guess. And you see Grace sort of trying to find that in, like, in the men that she meets. You know, like, the businessman, Vietnam veteran, whoever. And then... <laughs> but but Marianne, Marianne is sort of different. And that the way she does it is sort of almost through other people. Like, you know, the way that she gets um, Davis, correct? That's yeah, his name. Davis. I am just mm-hmm. exposing myself today. Um, <laughs> Davis, who getting him to like rob us Dora and then just leaving him. So I guess sort of my question was, um, I would love for you to talk about Marianne as a character and then sort of why does she choose this route instead of just like, I don't know, like doing a line of Coke or something like that? Like why, <laughs> why is this the route that she takes to try to feel something? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I find Marianne interesting and honestly kind of hard to wrestle with. Um, I've thought about kind of writing more for these characters, but I, I feel like I need to really spend some more time with her because she's a bit of a mystery to me. Um, because both of them, you know, you get this glitz and glamour from the idea of maybe being a flight attendant, especially like a, you know, an old sixties image of Pan Am flight attendants who get to Mm -hmm. explore the world and are like adventuring every day. But the reality is they fly somewhere, serve people, go to a hotel, sleep, repeat, um, And so Grace's way of, I guess, coping with that or keeping things interesting is um, she can meet different men at bars um, just to keep her company. Honestly, probably more for that than for anything else. Sure. Um, she's just lonely. And Marianne, I think, doesn't quite have such a clear appetite even to herself um, for her boredom. And so really, she has this need to to feel something like you said, I think that was a great description. Um, she's looking for thrills, but cheap thrills are just that for her. Very cheap, quick, a line of Coke. She's probably done it, probably liked it, but probably (laughs) got bored after the second. Sure. Um, and so I think she's got something building inside of her and she doesn't know where to put it. 
um, what's going to make her feel fulfilled. Um, and so I think that mission with Davis trying to get him to rob the store was just her latest attempt to feel something through others being kind of the laid back observer that she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love how you mentioned like, you know, she probably has done a line of Coke and after the second <laughs> one she was bored because, you know, you, you talk about in the script, um, she has that line of like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to need to stay a little longer at the bar when Grace says she's going to come home early because Marianne's like, I need like three drinks to even start to feel it. So mm-hmm. th- that kind of <laughs> speaks to like the numbness that you're talking about. how She's just so like numb to everything. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting how, you know, the the characters aren't this aren't necessarily super likable people to people who are on the outside, but at the same time you do empathize empathize with them and just um you know, just sort of think about, well, I really have no idea how I would react in that situation because I'm not in that situation, you know. Um so yeah, I I found that really interesting. I I kind of like when I read a script and you know, there aren't necessarily Golden Girls, I guess. Yeah, uh, for characters. <laughs> no Betty White in this script. I can <laughs> no tell you that Betty right White now. No Betty White in the script. <laughs> Grace could be Blanche, maybe, but true. There you go. True. I, yeah, I can yeah. See that's it. actually that's actually a very good point. <laughs> yeah. No, no Betty's Blanche, maybe. <laughs> I do like Grace better than I like Blanche. Yeah. to be honest, but yeah. um. Um, so I, oh, if you ahead. don't mind, actually, while we're talking about Marianne, um, I'm sure. gonna go off script. Our, our script. Whoa. I'm going to go off our script, I know, and then ask you another question about Marianne while we're on her. Um, Okay. And sort of from the um, perspective of the perspective of the story. Um, So it it sort of feels like, you know, we're seeing a lot of this, um, maybe not directly, but sort of from the side of, like, Marianne. Like, we see her, like, you know, being alone while Grace goes and, like, you know, talks to men, whatever. Um, But at the same time, you know, she hides things from the audience, too. Like, we don't know what she's doing with Davis until she actually does it, kind of in the same way that, like, Grace does. So it's like, you know, like, we're over her shoulder, but she isn't letting us sort of, like, read, like, the text that she just got or the book she's read, whatever. She's like, you know, we're kind of looking at it from behind her, but we're not able to see everything. So I'd love to hear Mm. you sort of talk about, like, the perspective and sort of what you were trying to do when uh, when you were writing the script. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting what you said about we're looking over her shoulder. Um, I think that's, that's pretty apt. We're looking over Marianne's shoulder, but we're definitely not in her head. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would say she's the protagonist, but we as audience members are grace, I think. Um, so although we are keeping our closest eye on Marianne, so is grace and all the new things, the new and exciting things come from her impulses and her wants, um, that, she might not even understand, but we certainly don't until we see what happens. Um, So I think I initially wrote this as kind of a a dual protagonist kind of buddy idea. Sure. Um, And like, I think that the intro scene to me was like that relationship forming, they're joking with each other, making fun of people coming on the plane under their breath, Um, which was just kind of a fun bit for me. But honestly, I wasn't planning to have necessarily, um, Marianne do what she does with Davis and especially what she does to Grace by implicating her in it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess it, it initially came from the script was supposed to be flight attendants robbing gas stations at each stop. Interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that kind of didn't pan out for me and I couldn't find a way to make that feel true for the characters. Um, and so then as I was exploring these two women that I had started writing, that impulse found me the way it kind of finds Marianne where it's just something she felt the one night and decided to follow through with just to see where it went, no matter who it affected around her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it surprised me too. Yeah. And I do find it really interesting that you're, you know, it seems like you're sort of approaching this where um, you're, maybe you're not a writer who, you know, creates outlines and has the whole plot lined out. I think it's really interesting that you're sort of, following the characters through their own stories rather than just, I guess, I don't know, creating the plot first and sort of adapting the character to that. And I've totally made that mistake. For me, uh, I've written stuff plot first, character second, and it's always hollow when I write it that Mm -hmm. way. Um, And I do outline, actually. uh, But I do outline from character first, really, really try to spend some time with who they would be before I put them in a situation where 
I have to be responsible for knowing what decision they would make. So I, I appreciate you saying that because I've been working a lot harder to try to go character first because I think that takes me places even that I don't expect and find interesting. Yeah. I do find interesting, but... So you're an actor and a writer, and both of those things require an incredible amount of vulnerability. And I would love to hear you talk about the differences between those experiences and also how each one affects the other. So it does seem like, you know, if you're focusing on character first, that that seems like that might be a little bit of the actor side of you affecting that. Um, but I would just love to hear you talk about how acting affects your writing and vice versa. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for bringing that up, because that actually reminds me of um oh shoot now i'm blinking edit this out um (laughs) (laughs) we're keeping everything matthew (laughs) it's real this way yeah Um, i'll get back to it okay um oh no 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 character descriptions um i think that the reason why i don't think about physicality as much as i do personality in my character descriptions um does come from my actor brain rather than my writer brain first um because I, as I write it, I try to think about how I would play the character, um, especially like subtle things like an eyebrow raise here or mm-hmm. how I would embody a snarky line to embody it rather than just say it. And so I'm, I'm trying to really think from the, the very beginning of how to embody these people. Um, and I think I found that really tricky um, because I was an actor before a writer, so I was doing it uh, with other people's lines and myself uh, before I even, you know, learned how to write and learned by trial and error even. Um, but as I've been going and kind of get that more character driven focus with my writing, um, I do look to do that acting work in a writing context of knowing who these people are, what their background was, um, their beliefs in certain ways, how they would respond to different, maybe normal questions doing, doing kind of tedious work like that. Um, just to really know and inform um, each each little situation that I might put them in so I can get the most out of a single line rather than try to do more and show less. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I th- and I just, as actors, I we appreciate that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> of course, it's always yeah. really nice to read a script and see, you know, like she raises her eyebrow at her. And I feel like a lot of times... If it's if it is a well-written script that conveys so much more than the screenwriter just saying everything that they're thinking, um, absolutely, or just being like she cries, yeah, oh my <laughs> all the gosh, time. oh my gosh. If I see a she cries in a script as an actor, I guess he cries for me. But I'm like, alrighty, like, no, alrighty. Well, that's something I'm definitely still working on. But um, I think kind of continuing to do both simultaneously is really, really showing me things that like when I read a script, I have to act and I'm like, Oh my God, why do I like that line? Doesn't give me much. Yeah. And I can kind of use it to inform my writing later on and, you For know, sure. vice versa. Yeah. Totally, man. Totally. Okay. So I have a bit of a, a fun, interesting question for you. Oh boy. <laughs> do you think Grace and Marianne would be friends if they weren't coworkers? Assuming that they have normal lives where they aren't traveling around all the time and can have normal non coworker friends. Mm-hmm. I think absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they're definitely friends by circumstance and kind of the end of the script kind of lets you know that this is now a sort of trap for Grace yeah, that she doesn't quite know situation. how to get out of. Yeah. <laughs> right. I would love to think that they would be, but I can't honestly say yes. Yeah. yeah I think that's kind of where I was leaning to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say no friends for Grace and Marianne. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it definitely, I don't know, I definitely got the impression that because Grace has such a need to not be alone, that I think that's the only thing that could force her into a friendship with mm. someone so different. That's a good point. Oh, that's true. Astute. Yeah, I had never thought about it that way. Astute, Lauren. <laughs> Astute, for sure. <laughs> um, So... Another kind of fun question. Mm-hmm. I always like to ask everybody this. Our what? last script question, we That's think. That's true. Oh, yeah. Probably, unless, unless we just come up with something to <laughs> yeah. bounce off of. Uh, what is your favorite <laughs> moment in this script and why? My favorite moment in this script. Like you wrote it and you were like, ooh, that's good. <laughs> um, let me think. I don't know. I, I really, really like all the beginning moments with Davis. Um, because, God, I had so much fun 
writing this and thinking about how someone like Marianne, who is smart, but also knew how to use her, like, oh my God, for lack of a better phrase, feminine wiles. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, you know, could use her femininity against a very, you know, like stupid man. (laughs) Yes. Who, Who isn't looking for more than, isn't even looking for a conversation. So when they're talking to Davis in the bar and then when he's trying to convince them to stay and she is kind of using words to go around him, but also still kind of like flirtation to keep him agreeing with her, even when she's pushing him away. And I think uh, something, she calls him a farm boy at some point, And I thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> or Grace does. Yeah. Yeah. No, their interactions are hilarious. I would, yeah. I would certainly also watch a spinoff movie with like Marianne and Davis, like trapped on a deserted <laughs> Island. Yeah. Like I would certainly, I would certainly watch that. Maybe um, that'll be a bonus episode someday. There you, there you go, Matthew. So you get started on that. You might make a return to this podcast. Good the sir. end credit scene. Yeah, exactly. That would be hilarious. Um, okay. No more script for now. We're going to ask you about you, Matthew. Oh. So buckle in, big fella. Um, so, And this is one that I promised we would get back to from the beginning. I teased it. We teased it a little bit. And so now we're here. Oh, boy. So um, we actually, I guess, we kind of worked together on it, though we were sort of at different points in the process. But you, you mentioned you wrote a feature length when you were um, before your junior year or before your sophomore year whichever but then you also were the head writer of a feature-length movie musical um as as a sophomore (laughs) correct you were a sophomore when you wrote that right um i was yeah yeah so so just like tell us what was that like like how it sort of changed you as a writer as a person were you terrified were you excited what what was what was sort of going (laughs) through going through you oh boy um for fix, yes. yes. For fix, to clarify. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember if you named it, but it, it is called fix. Yes, it is. Um, that was a really, really good growth experience for me as a writer. Um, I, I remember Nick Bafia and Julia Stamey and the whole crew who were putting that together mm-hmm. um, at UNC put out kind of a post or something. I don't know. Asking for ideas for the movie musical because uh, they wanted to produce one and. For some reason, my senior year of high school, one summer, I like wrote up a plot. And I was like, I want to write a musical. And <laughs> tucked it away. Never thought I would be able to do it. Um, and then brought it back out for this. Uh, they accepted it. We started writing. And um, myself and a group of three other writers um, started working on it. And Two of whom have actually been on this podcast already, actually. Yes. Uh, both Ellie, Ellie and Blake. Blake. <laughs> yeah. And then Wyatt Grinnan yes. is the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get him on eventually, maybe. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> the whole fixed crew. Exactly. Um, but it was really, really good for me because I had written um, my first feature the summer before. Um, didn't have anybody really to look at it because I was doing it alone. And I was like, that was great. I'm awesome. And then ended up being the head writer with three other much more experienced writers um, who knew everything that I didn't. Uh, It was like, how am I the one in charge? (laughs) Um, But really, it was it was great for collaboration. They helped me every step of the way when I didn't know what I was doing. And then also heard me out every step of the way when I really had a strong opinion on the story, um, something I thought should be changed, shouldn't be changed, etc. And really, really gave me. Um, helped me get my my sea legs as a writer. So I really, really have to thank them for that, um, for making that such a good growth experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, man. That's great. Be on the lookout for Fix, movie, musical, maybe coming out <laughs> later this year. Wait, <laughs> but Jackson, someday. were you in that? <laughs> maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Um, um, Depends how well it's received. Huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Either it was me or my evil twin. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lauren, I believe you have a, a question coming up. Yeah. Um, what was it like finishing up a semester of college during a global pandemic? How did your day to day life change? Oh my God. Well, I'm currently standing in my apartment bedroom that I have spent more hours of my life in than I ever could have guessed, <laughs> or um, probably ever wanted to. Yeah. yeah. I was telling my roommates last night, I was saying, oh, my God, I just every once in a while, I forget that I have just been in this apartment like 18 hours plus a day for months. Yeah. Um, But, you know, 
online classes were kind of strange, but we continued to do our work. And I think, again, my, my friends were who got me through it. Um, okay. I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have been in the position I'm in to, um, have a place to live, have access to like the internet, food, water, everything like that. It's mm-hmm. been, um, I'm very thankful for that, but that's not to say that school was easy. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was particularly fun. Um, but it looks like hopefully we'll be able to go back in the fall. They've got plans in place, uh, to let us go back for our senior year. So I'm also just thankful that this wasn't my senior year. Truthfully. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I'm very thankful that I graduated last year and feel so awful for everyone who graduated this year. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I just can't imagine. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully things will work out that you will get to have a proper graduation next year, Matthew. I'm knocking on wood right now. Yeah. Can't see it. Me, this me too. Podcast, very lightly. <laughs> so it doesn't come over the mic. Doesn't but... pick up on oh, the mic. Exactly. <laughs> ah, that's fine. If you heard that, then that was us knocking out wood. <laughs> um, and then I guess we have one final question, right? Yeah. Uh, so we do a segment on this show called Detours of the Week, which is basically us just um, either talking about something we watched or read or something like that that yeah. we would sort of recommend to other people. But you already know that because you've listened to every single episode so far, I'm True. sure. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I, oh, well, that's I, nice, actually. I truly <laughs> do feel like Matthew is, is one of our, <laughs> one of our uh, uh, best listeners. Um, so you get a gold star, sir, Matthew. Gold star. Yay. Um, but yeah, so do you have something that you would recommend to everyone as your detour of the week? Can I do two? Yeah. Sure, why not? Oh, thank God. We okay. make the rules here, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first is just quick, because I think everybody's doing it right now. But um, I admit, I have never seen Avatar The Last Airbender. Me neither. I started it okay. yesterday. Okay. I'm among I'm among allies. But <laughs> I have started, <laughs> and I'm on book two. Uh, oh, wow. Where Aang's got to learn earthbending. Yes. And it is incredible. Yes. So highly recommend, now that it's on Netflix, if you have Netflix, to watch that. Um, and then the other thing that I just recently watched, I think for like the fifth time, hmm. uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, I had my roommates all watch it, but Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. Okay. Um, okay. It's a 1997 animated film about a prince who gets exiled from his village um and stumbles upon a war between um feudal japanese uh cities but also the humans are also at war uh with the animals of the forest and so it's all about the politics of that and finding the balance of each um it's incredible that's awesome that's awesome two great suggestions yeah from matthew um i guess is that all we have? I guess that's all we have. I guess for that's you. all. Thank you so much for coming on, Matthew. It was great. Well, absolutely, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And actually, okay, we always forget to ask people before we're doing the interview, so we're just gonna do it on air. And if you say no, we'll cut it. Um, but um, <laughs> would you mind if we left your uh, contact information, like your email, in the description of this episode, just in case people want to contact you to potentially produce this fine film that you wrote? We won't oh put your God. phone number, just your email. Yes. Absolutely. Please do. Okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. In that case, Matthew's information will be in the description box below. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, anything else that you would like to plug or anything, Matthew, before we head out? Oh, man. This podcast. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you, I'll Matthew. I'll plug it on its own platform. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of, a, kind of a, in a circle there, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm so creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you all so much. Of course, yeah, thank, thank you, man. You so this much. was a lot of fun, and it was great talking to you again. You too. Stay safe. Alrighty. Yeah, you too. Alrighty. Bye bye. 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 Another huge thank you to Matthew Keith for sending us his script and coming on to talk with us this week, and also to Nick Bafia, who's one of our housemates. Hopefully, you're listening to this, Nick. We'll know if you haven't. <laughs> True. Uh, but he always lets us use his microphone, which is a huge help. Yes, I don't know if we've actually specifically thanked Nick yet. So yeah, he's been providing us with the equipment this whole time. Great guy, lovely man, always very supportive. And truthfully, he's he supports like everything that anyone does. So he probably does listen to our podcast, probably. honestly. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Nick. Hopefully you're listening. Yes. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at TGLPod on Twitter and Instagram. TGL underscore pod. 
Oh, that's right. TGO underscore Don't you forget pod. that underscore. Yeah. Don't you forget it. But no, sorry. The... I was pointing at you, I the people, so aggressive. not aggressively at Lauren. <laughs> he <laughs> was pointing bad. aggressively at the microphone. Yes, correct. Correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, sorry, TGL underscore pod on yes. Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. We also do have a Facebook page. If you look up the green light, the green light podcast, mm-hmm. I don't know, scroll until you find we'll be the there. light bulb. We're yeah. there somewhere. If all of this should be in the description box, so if you can't understand us for some reason, it's in there. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, don't forget, the. Uh, also in the description is um, the different lists of um, movies, books, things by black creators. So definitely be sure to check those out and get educated. 100%. And then if you have a chance, um, please donate to one of the organizations we talked about. Yes. Um, and then... Just as a last little housekeeping thing, uh, if you are able to rate and review us on iTunes, mm. that would be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave your detour of the week, or you can roast Jackson. A roast of Jackson Campbell. Yes. Put me on the fire, smoke bit, put an apple in my mouth, and then we'll just <laughs> roast away. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. See Thank you next you. week. Uh, bye-bye.